want us to look at a subject I have entitled Daring to Fix Your Focus on God. Daring to Fix Your Focus on God. Amen. Oh, I said amen. Are you in church this morning? Daring to fix your focus on God. The reason why I say daring to fix your focus on God is because it's not easy. 2 Timothy 3. The Bible says that, but this I want you to know, that in the last day, difficult times, perilous times will come. For men shall be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Ah, it goes on to say, unthankful, unholy, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, and despisers of good. You see, the word without self-control makes you look at yourself and look at other things, look at your flesh, and not look at God. Hallelujah. It's, it's difficult because we are lovers of ourselves. So we can't love God. We cannot look at God. Our focus cannot be on God. Am I talking to somebody? And that is why you need to dare to step out of the norm. To trust and focus every attention you have on God himself. Hallelujah. Oh, I say hallelujah. It's not easy to focus on a God you can't see. It is not easy to focus on a God you haven't seen or spoken to directly and had him speak to you back. It is not easy to do that because to be able to focus on God, you need to have faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses, the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For everyone that comes to God must know that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Am I talking to somebody? And that is why you need faith to be able to go beyond the norm, go beyond your flesh, go beyond your feeling, go beyond the things that ensnares you, the thing that weighs you down, and dare to focus on God. Am I talking to somebody? It is not an easy thing, but that is what we need to do. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to read from verse 1 to 3. The Bible says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that easily ensnares us. And let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us. Looking, somebody say looking. Looking unto Jesus or focusing on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Hallelujah. Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. For consider him who endured such hostilities from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Hallelujah. So he's saying that fixing your gaze or focusing on Jesus who is the author or the beginner and the conclusion of our faith. Hallelujah. Fixing on Jesus, fixing your eyes on Jesus, fixing your focus on the, on the, 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 the spirit of God, focusing on God himself, being mindful that you are not your own. God is the one in him you live. In him you move. In him you have 
your being. Am I talking to somebody? Let us learn to become Christians indeed. These days we, we, we call ourselves Christians, but we really don't have the ways of Christians. We don't have the way Christians walk, the way Christians think, the way Christians act. We act like everybody else, but on Sunday we come and sit in church and we call ourselves Christians. No, the, 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 the term Christian means like Christ, which means that you must be like Christ in everything you do, in the way your mind works, in the way, you see, when you have a like Christ mind, it will work opposite of the way your mind used to work. Am I talking to somebody? If you have like a, a Christ-like mindset, your mind will work opposite from the way your mind used to work. Amen. Because if you read the Bible, you realize that every time the, 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 the Pharisees and the scribes, they were at loggerheads with Jesus. Why? Because his mind worked differently. The way he reasoned was different. See, the Pharisees would like to uh, um, dress, you know, their royal robes and dress their uh, spiritual garments on the outside and they like to sit in the you know, chief places when they come. They like to be accorded. They will tithe even on mint. They will not work on, on Sundays. They will do things for show. And Jesus said that if you are whitewashed tombs because your, your Christianity is displayed on the outside. It is not inside. Who are you when no one is watching? Who are you when no one can see you? It's your focus on God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 that the one who will judge is the one who sees where no man sees. He sees the God that he, he, he looks on the outside. The God, nothing is hidden from him. All creature, the Bible says, is under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. There is nothing hidden. It is naked and open to him. He is the one who is going to judge us. Are you with me? So we can put our Christian dress on, put our Christian behavior on on Sunday, put our Christian uh, uh, makeup on, and Christian attitude to come to church on, on Sunday. But where are you on Saturday night? Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm knocking on somebody's door right now. Uh, where, where are you? What is in your fridge? Uh, what is in your wallet? What is on your phone? What is under the bed? Listen, it is time for us to be Christians indeed. It is time for us to behave like what we say we are and who we say we are, not present something else. Hallelujah. It's time to fix your focus on, on the example that Jesus gave. You know, Jesus said he lived a sacrificial life. How many of us sacrifice for others? How many of us would turn the other cheek? How many of us 
The Bible says, he said, I do what I see my father doing. I work as I see my father working. His focus was on the father. He lived a life focused on God. So anything God was doing, that was what he was doing. Anything God was not doing, he didn't go near it. Amen. How many of us go to work Monday through to Friday or Saturday thinking about, in every situation, thinking about what Jesus would do if Jesus was in that place? You know, when you're driving and somebody crossed you, Uh, and you, <laughs> uh, you you rolled your window and you wanted to give them a few words, a few choice words, and a few gestures. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah. Would Jesus do that? Somebody came to you and asked you for 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 fiver. You have about two hundred pounds in your pockets. You say, mm, me too, I'm struggling. I know how it feels to struggle. I am struggling. I don't have anything. The day I'll get something, I'll remember you. Jesus said that when somebody asks you for your coat, give them even your shirt. Daring to fix your focus on God. Hallelujah. Yeah. It takes some strength. It takes some tenacity to live a life of a successful Christian life. It takes tenacity because in this world, the world is corrupt. In this society that we live in, everybody is, is selfish, self-centered. It's about what they can do. The capitalist state, capitalism is about how I can profit off of you. What can I get from you? And it permeates through every strata of society. Everybody is trying to get one over us. How can I use you? How can I, how can I dominate you? So it takes courage. I say it takes courage to, to, to be a Christian indeed in this time that we live in. Because men will be lovers of themselves. Men will be boasters. The capitalist uh, uh, attitude makes us become boastful. Do you understand? We want to show off what we have. Even when we don't want to, we don't have, we package. How many know what I'm talking about? We package. We make it look like we have. Uh, If you look at at, uh, Snapchat and everything, it's all packaging. Instagram, it's all packaging, isn't it? It's a life of package. The, 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 the food that you have just taken a picture and say you're dinner, you, it's not your food. You were passing and saw somebody's plate and you took a picture and you put just having dinner and then you put the name of the restaurant. Meanwhile, you're nowhere near there. It's all packaging, isn't it? Oh, you don't like what I'm saying? Always trying to do something or, or say something or become something that you are not. That's the lifestyle. Now even Jesus, what he was, he never said. Are you the son of God? You have said so. I didn't say it. You are the one saying it. 
So Jesus' lifestyle is opposite from everything that we do. Everything that we are. And that is why I'm saying that you have to dare to keep your focus on him and become like him. Amen. Otherwise, we don't qualify to call ourselves Christians. Amen. Am I talking to somebody? That is why you and I must read the Bible to know what Jesus did. That is why we must understand and know even the context in which whatever you are reading is set. To know that the Bible is not an ancient book. It was somebody's day. It was people's day-to-day living. Just as we are living day-to-day. So we are supposed to mirror our, our behavior. We are supposed to mirror our characteristics with what is written therein. Hallelujah. We have made Christianity a very religious thing that we are devoid of. It's, it's in spite of us. That is why church is not relevant anymore to a, to a large number of people. Do you understand? Because they cannot relate. But Christianity is a lifestyle. It is not a religion. Am I talking to somebody? I said Christianity is a lifestyle. The reason why the world struggles to know that Christianity is a lifestyle is because we, you and I, who are supposed to be Christians, we don't live that lifestyle. We live a very hypocritical and a very Pharisaic type of life, which confuses everybody because they, they know the word. They also know the Bible that Jesus did something. But what Jesus did and what you are doing, they are two different things. Am I talking to somebody? All right, let's go on. Let's go on. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. We are going to look at an example of somebody who was focused on God. Genesis chapter 22. This is Abraham. Bible says that, verse 1, Now it came to pass after these things that the Lord tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. Then he said, Take your only son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering and on, the, on one of the mountains which I, will, I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled the donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. I'm sure you all know the story. This is somebody that had been promised, Abraham had been promised by God that he will make his descendants as the stars of heaven. He says that if you can count the, the sun on the seashore, then you, you can count the son, descendants of Abraham. But Abraham was 100 years old and didn't have a child. And so God said to Abraham, listen, I will make you, I, I, this promise I have made to you. So like most of us, like you and I would do, Abraham tried to help God. Sometimes we try to help God. It's like you receive a prophecy and you try to, that this year you'll be married. It's a prophecy. Then you see somebody walking somewhere. Then you try and do something, manipulate. No. That's what Abraham did. 
and Abraham went and had an affair with Hagar that was Sarah, his wife's maidservant, and had a son called Ishmael. Ishmael was not the perfect will of God. Ishmael was not what God orchestrated for, uh, Isaac, uh, for Abraham, but Abraham, in his haste, made the mistake. And it caused a lot of problems. So one day, Sarah said to Abraham, let the bondwoman and her child go. Which was a difficult decision for Abraham to take. Abraham went to God, and God said, that, listen to your wife. Sometimes as husbands, we must listen to our wives. Oh, I didn't get a wife to say amen. God bless you. <laughs> I don't want problems. <laughs> so now Ishmael has left with the mother, Hagar. And Abraham has, by the grace of God, managed to have the child, the sick child called Isaac. Now Isaac has come. He's a lad. He's about 17 years old. He's, uh, he's growing very well. And his father is very happy. What a blessing. And here comes the bombshell. God comes and says, Abraham, take your only son. See, now, the, now it's the only son because Ishmael has left. You know, Sarah never acknowledged Ishmael as a, a son. But Abraham acknowledged the son. Am I making sense? And, and Abraham loved the son Ishmael, but had to really, you know, painfully had to let Ishmael go. And when Ishmael left, and now God says that I want to kill your son. Go and sacrifice your son. How many of us would have rebuked the voice? This has to be Satan himself. It takes somebody who is daring. It takes somebody who is focused on God to be able to hear a voice like this and obey it. Am I talking to somebody? That's why I'm saying that you must, we must dare to become focused this year on God. Ha hallelujah. Am I, am I talking to somebody? Let's go, let's jump to verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called. This is when Abraham had gone, set the firewood, let the young man wait at the foot of the um, mountain, gone with the lad, gone with uh, uh, Isaac to the mountain, set the, the, the firewood, and Isaac asked, I see the firewood, I see the fire. Where is the sacrifice? Who is coming to be sacrificed? Abraham could not bear to say to his son, you are the sacrifice. Somehow he tied the son. I, 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 am, I, you see, I like to read the Bible in pictures. I always say that I'm not very clever, so I don't like to read literature. I like to, when I watch a movie, I don't forget. So I turn what I'm reading to a movie. And it makes sense to me. I'm looking at a 17-year-old boy. And a hundred-year-old man. A hundred and seventeen-year-old man. I don't see how a, 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 a um, come, you are close to seventeen. Come. Yeah, come, come, come. Quickly. He's close. He's close to seventeen. 
I am half of 100. And this guy is close to 17. Do you think that this guy will just sit down for me to tie his hands and his legs? Knowing that he's going to be put on the firewood and sacrificed. <laughs> you see, he's trying to fix, ball up his, his fist for me. <laughs> Are you with me? But Isaac is a type of Christ. Go sit down, thank you. Isaac is a type of Christ who willingly obeyed the father. If I'm the one you're going to sacrifice, I'm ready. He didn't fight back. He lay on the, on the firewood. His father was about to strike him dead with a knife. And he heard from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, do not touch the lad. Release the lad. For in the thicket or in the bush, I have a ram saved for the sacrifice. Go and get that lamb and use that lamb. And after this, verse 15, then the angel of the Lord called out Abraham a second time out of heaven and he said, by myself have I sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, in blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you and your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies in your seats all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice hallelujah there's three things I want you to look at in this story when you go you can read the whole chapter three things the first thing I want you to look at is that Abraham focused on the promises and not the explanation Remember, the story itself starts in uh, the awe of the Chaldeans where Abraham dwelt with his father. And the Lord came and spoke to Abraham. He was called Abraham then. He said that, leave your father's house and your mother's house to the land that I will show you. He didn't know the land. He didn't really have a relationship with God. He didn't know where he was going. But the Bible says that he obeyed because he trusted the voice that spoke to him. In this year, if we're going to do well, we must learn to trust the Lord. Trust the voice of God in your life. Trust the Rima word. Someone say the Rima word. The inner, inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Trust him. Hallelujah. God didn't explain to Abraham where he was taking him to. If somebody says to me, or if a voice in the middle of the night speaks to me and says that, leave leads to a land that I'll show you, it will be difficult for me to pack my bags and go, where am I going? Am I going east? Am I going west? Am I going north? Am I going south? Where exactly am I going? I'm not sure. But he did not look for explanations. All he wanted was the promise. All he wanted to focus on was him who had spoken. Amen. Abraham had learned to trust God 
So he obeyed without explanation. His, that's, that's matured faith. To obey the voice of God without, you know, arguments. Logical, you know, explanation make, to make sense. How many know that life itself doesn't make sense? Am I talking to somebody? Life don't make sense. Some of us, we like to have, you know, uh, know everything that we are doing. Know everywhere we are going. Have this type of, you know, I know what's going to happen tomorrow. I know what I'm going to eat in the morning. I know what I'll eat in the afternoon. I know what I'm going to eat uh, 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 for dinner. I, I know what I'm going to wear next week. No. What has God said to you? Are we going to walk in the, the promises of God? Are we going to walk in the commandments of God? Are we going to walk in what God says to us? Or we are going to wait for him to explain everything? Remember when a guy called Zachariah, when God, this angel came to him and said that, Zachariah, you shall have a child in your old age. Same thing as Abraham. Abraham focused on the promises and accepted what God was saying. But Zachariah asked for explanations. How can this be possible? I am an old man. My wife is also old. Started arguing with the angel. To the point that the angel had to shut his mouth. Make him mute. Until the child was born. Because the angel knew that if I leave this mouth open, it will argue from now to the day the child is born. Some of us, our only enemy is our lips. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. I said your greatest enemy is your lips, your confession. As for me, nothing good comes to my way. As for me, I'm always sick. This is my sickness. This is my, my uh, uh, fever. This is my virus. Everybody's virus is gone. My COVID is not going. When did it become yours? I said, when did it become yours? Some of us, our mouth is filled with negativity. Everything that comes out of our mouth is negative. When somebody says something good to us, we respond with a negative, a negative statement. Are you sure you are seeing well? Somebody says, you are looking beautiful. Are you sure you are seeing well? What kind of response is that? You are very beautiful. I guess you say that to all the girls. No, no. Believe in yourself and say yes. Have you checked me from this side? It's better from here. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. No, if you don't believe in yourself, who will believe in you? Yeah. You're nice all by yourself. Everyone is fearfully and wonderfully made. And so are you. Hallelujah. You are unique. Ah, let me not go there. Let me not go there. Romans chapter 9 verse 20. Let me not go there. Romans 9 20. But who are you? 
But indeed, O oh man, who are you to reply against God? Those of us who like explanations. Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? I wish I came from rich parents. Yeah, I think we all wish we were born to the royal family, isn't it? There are some people who are born with accommodation problems. <laughs> from that, they have accommodation problems. The day they, they, they come out of the mother's womb, they have accommodation problems. Landlord is at the door saying that today is your last day, move. There are some people too who are born, the first day they are born, they have mansions. But it doesn't matter. God has made you and put you in the right place. I wish I were white. I wish I were black. I wish I was tall. I wish I was short. I wish I was fat. I wish I was skinny. No. No. God has made you. You are the best you can ever be. I say you are the best you can ever be. And you are in the best place in your life. You came from the best family. You have the best culture. Can nobody tell you anything otherwise? Hallelujah. I can't imagine myself being black, being white. I can't imagine myself being very tall. I can't, that's one thing I can't imagine myself being a woman. That one is not, it won't work. Hallelujah. But the Bible says all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord, that are the called according to his purpose. All of us, everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, all the experiences you have been through, everything that has happened to you from the day you were born to now, everything has worked together to make you who you are. Hallelujah. To have the way you think. Not everybody thinks like you. Amen. The second thing is that Abraham was somebody that looked uh, focused on God whilst waiting for the change. Some of us, our problem is in the in-between season we behave wrongly. Do you know what the in-between season is? The season from the day of your promise to the day of the accomplishment or manifestation of that promise. That in-between. From the season of the day you knew that I'm, I should be getting married to the day you wear the wedding gown and stand in front of the altar. That's the in-between period. What do you do? Okay. I'll be a Christian. Hallelujah. That in between time, the time that you you lost your job to the time that you get a promotion, it, life is difficult. Are, are you with me? Life is 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 not it's like all of sometimes we like to have things under our control. And when things go out of your control and you can't control everything, 
that in-between period, can you stay focused? Can you still look up to God? Or do you look elsewhere? Abraham was told when he was in his father's house that God will make his descendants great. He was a younger man then. And it didn't happen. But he was still trusting on God. So he was 100 years old. He was still trusting. I don't know about you. But if you were me, maybe, assuming God spoke to him when he was 70. And now 100. The manifestation hasn't still or yet happened. I don't blame Abraham for going to find Hagar. Because sometimes it's difficult to stay whilst you are in between. Am I talking to somebody? So he, he, this guy, he just, he just slipped. But I want us to focus on God even when things haven't turned the way we expect them to turn. Even when we are struggling. Even when it looks, it looks like we are not there yet. You have just been made redundant. It's the in-between period. Focus on God. Spend more time on God. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah, the in-between period can be very difficult. The third thing is that Abraham enjoyed his friendship with God. See, how many have ever been in love before? Give me a wave. Oh, give me a wave. Only two people. Huh? Three people. Have you been in love before? I won't ask for Rosetta when she's in church. I'm happy. These days, uh, Alfred is not supporting me like he used to. He has become dignified. So I have to go for my next supporter, that's Rosetta. <laughs> and I have a support. Hallelujah. Yeah. You see, the way you're always on the phone with her or him. In a day, you text or call each other about 17, 20 times. You don't count. You don't sleep at night talking. You're doing FaceTime. You are doing... What else do you do? You forget the bills. What's up? You are chatting in the middle of the night. You say, you put the phone down. Then she says, you two put the phone down. You say, you put the, you, I called you, so put the phone down. You say, okay, last, okay, now let's all, let's count to three. After three, we'll put the phone down. One, two, three. Are you there? You two, are you there? <laughs> Sometimes you say bye and you put the phone down. Then after three minutes, four minutes, you call again. You say, are you still awake? If I wasn't awake, would I pick the phone? Hallelujah. Yeah. It's because you have a certain relationship that you have developed. A certain friendship that makes you want to hear their voice all the time. How come we cannot develop the same friendship with God so that we can call God Every five minutes, text him. Talk to him. James 2 verse 23 says that 
This is what the scripture means. It says that Abraham had faith in God. And God was pleased with him that Abraham became God's friend. My prayer for you and I is that we become friends with God. Become friendly with God. See, God is not an abstract entity somewhere that we can relate. It takes faith in our hearts to relate with the God that we can see. And the more you relate, faith grows. Are you with me? Faith grows. When you start relating with God, it grows. Like any friendship, it grows. When you keep talking, keep re uh, relating, that relationship grows. It becomes stronger and stronger. Hallelujah. My prayer is that you become God's friend. God's friend that he can count on and you can count on him. Not somebody that knows of God. See, when somebody, somebody calls and says that, do you know uh, Obama? I don't know Obama. I know of Obama. I know of Donald Trump. But I don't know him. Are you with me? We have never had any relationship. Some of us, we know of God. But we don't know God. If somebody says that, do I know Pastor William? I do know him. If I am sleeping and Pastor William calls in the middle of my sleep, when I hear his voice, I will know it's him. Are you with me? Yeah. Because I always talk with him. So I, I have a relationship. So I know him. And he knows me. I'm sure if he's also asleep and I call, he will know it's me. Are you with me? And that is, that's what we need to strive to become, to become friends with God. This year, let's become friends with God. Let me give you five things quickly. My time is up. Let me give you five things, quick five steps to stay, of staying focused with God this year. Five steps. The first one, begin your day with God. Begin your day with God. Spend time. Spend time. You see, the thing about beginning your day with God and spending time with God is not the length of time, but it's the consistency. Am I talking to somebody? It's the consistency. Be constant every day. Be constant every day. That I'm going to spend time with God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Bible says in, in John chapter 15, that I am the vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes that he may bring forth more fruit. Verse 4. Give me verse 4 quickly. Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. If we can understand this statement that we cannot do much of our own selves in this season Pandemic season, we cannot do much in terms of our work, in terms of school, in terms of, uh, you know, our relationship and everything. We cannot do much except we abide in him. If we can understand that, it will help us. Am I talking to somebody? I am the vine, verse 5, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Understand that. That we can only become successful if we abide in him. Amen. 
For without me, you can do nothing. Oh, did you hear that? Without, listen to a, a general, a, an army general going to war, going to take over, you know, uh, Joshua is now leading Israel. He's going to take over the, the, the lands of the Hittites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites. He's going to take over that, those lands. And God says to him that this book of the law, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, says that this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. For in, in it, it will make your way prosperous and give you good success. Hallelujah. He didn't say that if you learn your tactical combat and you get the right ammunition, you do well. He didn't say that when you get the right job, you do well. He didn't say that uh, fight for promotion. When you get the right promotion, you do well. He didn't say all of that. He said this book of the law, which in the morning, read it. In the afternoon, think of what you have read. In the evening, think about the lesson that you have learned. Be meditating, ruminating on, on the thing, chewing on the word. Every morning, I don't care how busy your life is. Try, even if it's five minutes, read something. Spend a little bit of time praying. In the afternoon, pray. Just like anytime you think of calling your girlfriend, after you finish talking to your girlfriend, pray. Then the next time you're about to talk, talk to your girlfriend, pray again. By the time you, you get married, you would have had a very good relationship with God. <laughs> or oh, you don't believe me. Number two, quickly, quickly. Number two, remain in prayer. Do not create or develop a habit of prayerlessness, but develop a habit of being prayerful. Being prayerful doesn't mean I pray for one hour, two hours, three hours a day. But always make sure you pray. The Muslims pray five times a day. The Jews pray three times a day. How many times do Christians pray? A day. See, when the Muslims go to pray, they pray about ten minutes, they are done. In the morning, ten minutes, they are done. Afternoon, five times, ten minutes, ten minutes, they are done. But it's consistent. You can set your clock with that. That they will be going at this time. Am I making sense? Let us have a consistent prayer life. Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without season. So let prayer be the thing we do. Number two, limit the distractions. Number three, limit the distractions. Don't be somebody who is always distracted. We talked about it. Things that distract us, social media and all those type of things, they distract us. How many in this room, if you had a partner, anytime you call the partner, they say, well, I'm busy, I'll call you back. I'm busy watching football. I'm busy with the lads. I'm busy uh, cooking. I'm, I'm, I'm in the uh, restaurant with some guys. I'll call you back. I'm in the gym. I'm driving. I'm, I'm jogging. I'll call you back. And it goes on for a long time. How many of you know that that relationship after a while will not exist anymore? And that is exactly what we do with God. We are so distracted, we never spend time with God. 
We are busy. Listen, God, I'll talk to you later. I'm, I'm in the gym at the minute. I'm on Facebook. I'm doing, a, what do you call it? Live broadcast. I'm doing my YouTubing. What's, what's that thing called? V- blogging. Before you go and blog, blog with or vlog, blog and vlog with him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let us develop. It, it takes discipline to develop that habit of spending time with God. It takes the, and that discipline is what we need. Discipline to spend time with God. That's why this coming fasting is a good thing. Discipline yourself and wake up at 6 o'clock and join the Zoom. Are you with me? And we all pray. Sometimes it's difficult to pray by yourself. I agree. In the morning. But this is a good opportunity. It's a good vehicle. By the time you've done 14 days of that, you'll be all right. You'll be able to continue on your own. What do you think? Yeah, 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 yeah. So join. Wake up. Stop watching Aki and Popo. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> Serve God. Serve God. Hallelujah. In the house of God, find something to do. Don't become a spectator. Or a, you see, when you're a spectator, you become a commentator. What, what do you do in the house of God? See, when you come to check, you think that there's nothing to do because there's a, there's a lot of people. We are actually looking for 12 ashes as we speak. We are looking for 12 ashes that we don't have. We are looking for 12 media people. See, it's only today that two people are standing behind the camera. Normally, nobody stands behind. We are looking for, can you imagine ladies that stand behind the camera? Look nice. Isn't it? Yeah, find something to do in the house of God. Don't just come and just come and enjoy the service and go. See, the service that you are enjoying, it takes people working behind the scenes. Yesterday, some people were here in the evening putting things together, cleaning the place. You know, the, the place was all full of snow. Some people were shoving the snow out and putting grit on the, on the pavement so that you don't slip and fall. That is somebody working. They're also busy like you but they find something to do in the house of God. So I'm challenging you that don't be a spectator. Find something. Serve God in the house of God. Amen. Bible says that whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Because in the grave that you're going, there would not be work. Hallelujah. So you found this church. You belong to this church. Find something to do. We are looking for more singers. We are looking for about 30 singers. 30 of them. If you don't know how to sing, come, we'll teach you how to sing. By the time we finish with you, you'll be singing well. Trust me. (laughs) Some people are looking at me funny, so I won't talk. It's okay. Number five. (laughs) Number five. Remove sin from your life. Bible says that 
Let us remove sin from our hearts. Without that removal, no man can see God. We can't see God in our sins. So, anyone that comes to God must first come with clean hands. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? So, let us cleanse our hands. Let us cleanse ourselves. We read a scripture that says that let us put aside the weight and the sin that easily beset us so that we can run the race that is set before us. So there are some things that you know you don't have to do, that you do. Put it aside. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah. Put it aside so that you and I can serve God in spirit and in truth. I pray for you and I pray for me that we become focused this year. Focused on God in everything we do. Stand to your feet.